Well, 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 it's that time again for another episode of You Did It, the podcast. And you are here with me, your host, Alicia Rotaru. And I'm dedicating this episode to all of you sleep-deprived parents out there who might not know where to turn for some of that sleep support. But look no further and listen no further because we have Dr. Consagra on this episode. He is a professor at Duke University Medical Center and double-boarded in child neurology and sleep medicine. He is the author of My Child Won't Sleep, a quick guide to sleep-deprived parents. Dr. Consagra specializes in treating a variety of sleep disorders, including sleep apnea, insomnia, narcolepsy, and parasomnias. He is currently doing research on novel technology that helps with insomnia in infants. He can be found on multiple social media platforms with the handle at that sleep doc, where nearly 200,000 people follow along for sleep advice and where I had the pleasure of discovering him because of his amazing content, which is so entertaining and informational. So sit back, relax, and make sure you stay awake for this one because you did it. Welcome to the pod. You did it. Um, I mean, you're here. I'm so grateful. You're a busy man. I know you were just emailing us about scheduling because you're like at the lab in the hospital doing shit all the time. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, can we even get this guy? But wow, thank you for being here. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd love to just dive in. So, you know, and just like shoot the shit and talk about sleeplessness and sleepiness and sleep. I tried to look as sleep deprived as I could today so we could be on topic, but um, no fault. I don't I'm, know. I'm happy to yeah. talk about anything and everything. I mean, you love a topic <laughs> at me and I guarantee like I could talk about it for an hour if you wanted me to, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll try to have some back and forth. <laughs> Well, first of all, like maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and I mean, what turned you on to becoming a sleep doc? Like, sure. how did that well, start in your medical journey? Yeah, great question. So by, by training, I'm a child neurologist. And so our training in, incorporates two years of general pediatrics. So we become a pediatrician first and foremost, get that foundation, just pediatric care. And then it's three years of child neurology training where we learn all about the, the nervous system and the brain, et cetera. And then after that, it's a fellowship in sleep medicine. And so it's three different parts. There are different ways of getting to sleep medicine, but that's the path that I chose, just getting to know uh, child neurology first and then delving into sleep. I've always been fascinated by the brain and in particular about sleep, you know, because there's um, sleep is fascinating. Uh, I am a sleep expert, but also an expert sleeper. <laughs> I like to sleep a lot. I saw, I saw um, you mentioned that. I love so, it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of research to be done in sleep. It's a fairly new field. It was really kind of discovered in, in the 1980s regarding the science behind sleep. And it's really kind of grown exponentially since then. So a great opportunity to do research, great opportunity to educate both, you know, other physicians and just the public about all the health benefits of sleep. What's like so far the biggest taboo that you've come across with? I'm just going to use social media as being like a really prominent platform. Like what's all the shit you're seeing that's just not right? Yeah. If I can use that phrase. Yeah. So not, so not <laughs> like, right from just a, from a sleep health standpoint, not right. Maybe. Yeah. Let's gosh. start there. I could keep swirling so, down that hole, but. <laughs> so many things, so many things. Uh, let's see. Well, First, you know, when it comes to let's talk about trackers and technology. You know, I feel like oh, everybody's oh. in the in the race to develop the best tracker. Uh, we are seeing an interesting a kind of a shifting in which you know people will open up their devices or their apps and say, "Ah, look, 
my number last night based on this app that's tracking my sleep right. was a 62. And it's, sure. telling, it's telling me I should have a really bad day because I didn't sleep very well. And lo and behold, you have a really bad day <laughs> because the app told you you should be having a bad day, brain. right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most of these technologies are proprietary black box technologies. I have no idea how they're giving me this number. So if you come to my clinic and you're like, ah, I got a 57, how do I make that into an 85? I'm like, I have no idea from a sleep health standpoint because I don't know how they're even giving you this number. Uh, so I always say mm. one of the biggest things you can do is, yes, use these devices to actually increase your awareness about your sleep, increase your understanding of how much you might be sleeping, the length of your sleep. Most of the wearables that actually have like an accelerometer built in are pretty good at tracking sleep versus weight. So it's a great thing to increase okay. your awareness. It's not so great for you to determine how you're supposed to feel <laughs> based on the number oh, they yeah. give you. I always say, you know, you use your brain for that and say, hey, how do I feel this morning? Do I feel good? And if you feel good, right. chances are you're getting good quality and quantity of sleep. So trackers right. are a big thing. Um, Can I just pause there for two seconds sure. and interject with like, what about baby trackers? Because like... That's the kind of stuff that weirds me out as a mom. Like, I'm kind yeah. of that weirdo. Well, I, I'm the best weirdo where I'm like, in my room, there are limited Wi-Fi or anything of a device in the yeah. bedroom. Yeah. And I feel like on that level of like woo-woo-ness with my kid, I'm just like, that kid's going to have shungite under her bed and some selenite stones. You know, the baby cam is in the far reaches of the corner so it doesn't mm. disrupt her like body with emf rays yes <laughs> like, yes what what's the thing with kids though because like i mean there's what's this brand called the outlet mm -hmm, mm -hmm. have you heard of the outlet it's I, like a thing I you have. put on their foot yes, and like heartbeat and sleep like are those trackers too that you're kind of like me they're not the i'll tell you that there, there's a lot going on particularly with the outlet because they ended up running into oh. a couple of issues regarding fda regulation and clearance and they had to oh. kind of rebrand it so uh I will tell you that there is nothing that we routinely recommend that, that you need for the health and well-being of your child that involves tracking technology. You know, cool. if, there were, if there was something that was available that we thought consistently helped promote your child's wellness and health, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics would likely be recommending it to, to everybody. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, there is no need to necessarily track. There's nothing that's really a, approved. To, to, you know, to capture like, you know, concerning kind of events at home, apart from medical grade apnea monitors. And some children need right. these, especially premature infants right. that are leaving the NICU and are having apneic episodes and, and need some something to monitor their breathing. But uh, which is like a whole different level of shit. Yeah, it's not just like a little right. beep, boop, boop, beep. Yeah, that's right. OK, yes, yes. OK. So try, right. to, so, so try to avoid it. I'll tell you that one thing that parents yeah. get into is there's so much information coming at you and yeah. there's so many things you can do to track every single thing, tracking, you know, how many wet diapers your child has and how many times they poop oh and how God. many ounces of food they eat. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I, I'm all about simplicity and trying to simplify parenthood because it is hard enough as it is. You know, yeah. let's try not to complicate it more than it needs to be. That's, do you have little BBs? I do. I, I, now, well, not as little anymore, but seven, little. seven and nine year old boys. Uh, oh, and, uh, okay, yeah, they're, they're the greatest and they, um, yeah, I mean, they taught me a lot, even though I'm a sleep doc when they were born, I was already a sleep doc. You know, they came out and kind of dropped, kicked me in the face and taught me a few things about sleep. And, uh, it's that's <laughs> changed, amazing. changed my approach a bit, you know? So, but I think that's so. beautiful. Cause you've been through the thoroughs with us, right? Like you're like, I've been there. I mean, what's just kind of thinking on that, like going back seven years ago ish, what's the vibe that you were 
kind of into with your kids? Like, were you able to like be like dad's not doctor or were you still kind of like doctoring dad? Uh, just to be I like, was, are they I, doing this correctly? Like, I, tr- I tried my best. I tried my best not to doctor. You know, I will tell you that I probably checked a reflex or two and probably listened to their heart yeah. at one point. And then I tried to put all that away and try to just be the dad. But, you know, when it came to sleep, it's kind of funny. I would go and give lectures, you know, to, to, to parents and to pediatricians about sleep and sleep techniques and sleep training techniques, for example, and how to get child uh, to sleep better at nighttime. And, you know, I, I vowed that I would have my child in such a great routine and such a great <laughs> sleep situation that I'd never have yes. to sleep train my own child. And fast forward, our child is three months old and me and my wife are alternating waking up three, four times a night for a half yeah. an hour to an hour rocking and holding and feeding and working our way to the crib and slowly and painstakingly putting him into the crib and hoping he doesn't wake up. And it, it was a disaster. It was a disaster. Oh, you know? um, and they tell you all these great things about, oh yeah, put the baby down where they're drowsy and they'll learn to fall asleep on their own. That's kind of our common yeah. teaching, but some children don't have a drowsy period. They go straight from wide awake to sleep in like three seconds. And my oldest did not have a drowsy period. So it was That's a challenge. So interesting. It was a challenge. Um, and like, is that where the neurology kind of kicked in and your brain, pun intended, where you were like, oh, what's happening over here? Like, because that's that's an interesting thing to say, because it is totally like, wait till this period comes onto your kid and look for the signs. And here are the signs you should like not bypass. But then they change or they're just that kid from A to B. So, I mean, what what? I don't even know how to, where do we start? Like, what's like a basic flat line? Like, Hey, someone just popped out a kid. The kid's kind of like normie, nothing crazy is happening, but they just want to make sure they're on a right path. So the kid is sleeping. Sure. So I was breastfeeding involved. Like let's put that into the circuit. Let's kind of break it down kind of, you know, in the early stages. And then as you get a little bit older in infancy, you know, the first six weeks when a child comes out, I think is an absolute crap show, you know, like it is, <laughs> it is, um, it is a mess. And why is it such a mess? Well, first of all, f- for moms, so much is changing in their lives all of a sudden, you know, I cannot even yeah. begin to imagine, you know, what, what moms go through, but there's so many things that are changing so quickly in your life. And at the same time, you have this new little being that has no understanding of day and night and is going to be feeding, Ooh. waking and sleeping at whatever time that they want. That's the nature of, yeah. of really, you know, the neonates when they're first born. And why right. is that? Well, when they're in utero, they are using mom's melatonin signals to decide when to sleep and when to, when to wake. And so they're usually oh. pretty much in sync with mom. You know, I'm, you know moms will, will okay. yeah, of course they woke me up a little bit, but for the most part, yeah, yeah. they're usually sleeping when mom is sleeping. When they, okay. when they leave mom's body, they are not making their own melatonin yet. In fact, their body's circadian rhythms are very immature. So they have no understanding of what day and night is. And that's why people always say, oh, they flip their schedule. They haven't flipped. They have no idea what the schedule even is. They don't know what day and night is. So that's like a and little myth that kind of needs to be debunked right, right. out it's, of the gates. Like, just, there is have, no schedule. There's no schedule. And that's why it is so, those first six weeks are so challenging. And then around okay. six weeks, you know, the circadian rhythm starts kicking in. Various parts of the circadian rhythm kick in at different times. But we think that sleep starts to consolidate more at nighttime 
right around six weeks of age for otherwise healthy children. And for otherwise healthy children, that's also the time where they start giving you their first smiles while they're awake. And that starts to really change everything. And I always, so I always tell new parents, hang in there. Those first six weeks are probably going to be so tough (laughs) and there's not much you can do except hold on, ask for help when you need it. Try to have people pitch in as much as possible. Be um, over communicate and be like, listen, I'm not in a good place right now. Yeah. I'm so fatigued and tired. I, yeah. you know, might drop this child while I'm falling asleep here. Yeah, take this child, you know, from me. Um, yeah, in my baby house. rocker. So, so crazy. That's the approach. The first six weeks. No, hang Can on I for ask, your life. Do you do you think that? I mean, I'm in the states right now. I am Canadian though, by like birth and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We have like, you know, parental leave up there. We don't really have that down here in the States. I've I've been hearing. So do you think that the six week thing that I hear of like you pop out a baby and you get six weeks only before you have to really go back to leave your mat leave is kind of maybe based on what you just talked about, where it's like after this. I'm just wondering, like, that's an interesting thing I've never heard of. Like, you know, after six weeks, there might be better sleep in the house. I have no so idea why cool. our lead is so <laughs> low here. And I can almost guarantee it's not based on any scientific rationale. It's likely just based on capitalism. <laughs> that's my Damn that's it. My... I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to make it sound like a good thing that only only needs six weeks, but I was just like yeah. those numbers seem to for the first time just yeah. I, cross yeah, paths here. But interesting. It's interesting. Uh I truly think parents should have six to 12 months, you know, <laughs> to, to just get their footing again after having a child. And I would like grade yeah. it like, you know, every additional child, you get more time, you know, so the second child, you get like 18 months, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 bank um, it. <laughs> so I, yeah, Interesting. All right, all right. Just thought I'd ask, just thought I'd ask if there was anything there from your side. Yeah. Okay, so awesome six weeks, you're down, you're like three months in, you're like, you know, you're in your postpartum phase for, you know, both mom and dad or parents or whoever. Mm-hmm. And now what? Like, what's kind of, th- this is where I kind of hear sleep training might kick in. And I have to admit, like, I didn't do it in my household. We co-slept with my kid. I'd love to talk about that too, but sure. we, it worked for us. Um, But I mean, what happens there with this, like, let's start these phases or these different tactics or strategies or techniques like you know yeah so when it comes to these these interventions so what we commonly what's known as sleep training it's a behavioral intervention to help essentially teach children how to become self-soothers and be able to turn their brains from wake to sleep on their own without having external help we most sleep physicians will say that six months is a safe time if a child is otherwise healthy developing and growing well without other medical issues involved some children, oh, six months, six months, okay. some children oh, okay. perhaps okay. as early as four months, but usually on the safe side, we're, we're thinking five to six months, but some children respond as early okay. as four months. We in the sleep community usually do not recommend sleep interventions when it comes to sleep training techniques prior to four months of age, just because we don't think the child is physiologically developmentally ready. Um, and it can lead to, it can lead to challenges. So we, we usually try to avoid that. So, so between six weeks to, you know, four to six months, although sleep yeah. may be now happening more so at night than during the day and you're getting a little bit more of a schedule in place, we're still not ready to say, oh yeah, a baby should be, you know, self-soothing and sleeping, you know, for 12 hours a night. It usually just does not right. happen. They're still feeding frequently at nighttime. They have other physiologic yeah. needs. And so during that time, you can start putting all of the pieces in place 
to make sure you're on a path to success. So what does that mean? Well, you can, of course, start to have a nighttime routine. You can do that from day one, have a nighttime routine that you enjoy with your child. It's calm, relaxing, has three or four activities that span about 20 to 30 minutes, you know, bath time, changing the pajamas, reading a book, feeding, et cetera. Um, It's a great time to do that. It's a great time to try to, um, you know, understand what your child's nap pattern is and the, the, you know, the, the frequency of their naps. Yeah. And it's a great time to start having prolonged periods of wakefulness during the day where you're kind of spacing out the naps in a way that makes sense. And by the time they're six months old, they should be down to you know two, maximum three naps, ideally with you know two and a half to three and a half hours of wakefulness between each nap. And that's really right, setting right. them up to have a nice consolidated night of sleep as they get older. God, how do you do it if you're traveling, man? Like, what do you do? Like, that's the thing that I have to ask. Like, I, you know, like we, my husband and I are both actors. We didn't luckily have to travel with our kid at such a young age like that. But like, you know, we have family out on the East Coast, three hour time difference ahead. Like, what's, what do you do? <laughs> like, yeah, if you have yeah, to do that situation. I love your face for a second there. You're tra- like, ah. I'm like, ah, but, no, tra- I mean, yeah, tra- yeah. Tra- 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 traveling is tough. Traveling is tough. <laughs> You know, the the things that I say for all children when you're traveling is, uh, one, if you're switching time zones, it's, of course, much more difficult than we can go into some techniques for that. But it takes takes time for the circadian rhythm to adjust different time zones. And we can actually talk. We don't have time. um, And then the second thing is, if you have, if your child is already old enough, such that they're in a routine, they have the timing, they know what they like to do before bedtime. I always say, take some of the routine with you, right? So take you know, their, right. their favorite book and their, you know, their, their, if you can take their favorite blanket and make sure you're going through the steps that you do at home to bring some of that, you know, familiarity with you wherever you go, because you're going to be in a new environment. It's going to be harder to sleep. Um, and then okay. in some situations, depending on the age of your child, you may be able to travel with, you know, a portable, safe sleep type of a, a, a setup that they become familiar with, you know? Um, oh, yes. And, we and did that for a minute. Yeah. So if that's the yeah. case, that is a more of a familiar, okay, when I'm in this, I know it's time for sleep and that can help them naturally get sleepy and, and tired just because they know they're in that environment. When do they have that awareness of the self and environment to recognize that like my little bugaboo stardust <laughs> play crib thing <laughs> is like my thing that yeah. I sleep at? Like, when does that click in for it's, their brains? It's a great question. I will tell you that children develop what we call sleep associations. This this understanding that, ah, my brain turns off when I have this and this in place, that can happen very early. You know, children oh. as young as like two, three, four months of age will start to understand, ah, this is what's in my environment. And this is what oh. helps me kind of relax, you know? So children are just incredibly intelligent. They're taking in so much in their environment. So it likely yeah. starts very early. I don't think we have any great data and studies to say, ah, my child recognizes the sleep environment at this age, um, oh, but, okay. but I'm sure it happens very early. They're just really intelligent. Okay. Because <laughs> I mean, I maybe that's where we have lost out because we were so bad at doing a routine because we're so just like, oh, shit, it's eight o'clock and I guess he should pop in a bath now. <laughs> but then it was like the next day, it's like, oh, it's 530. Let's do a bath yeah, well, now. Well, I'll tell you, Alicia, <laughs> I, let, me, let me reassure you. Children, especially young children, in some way, shape, or form, end up getting the sleep that they need. You know, somehow, particularly infants. Yeah. You know, they will they will get the sleep that they need, and um, <laughs> and so it's okay. You know, things can be a little bit disjointed. Yeah. And although I might sit here and tell you, oh, this is the exact perfect way to do it, there's actually no one right way to do anything in this world, especially with parenting. There are a thousand right ways to do it, and I feel like right, we're right. always on that mission to be like, ah, I gotta find that one right way for sleep. And I'm like. 
listen, you know, you, you pick what works for you and your family and maintain sanity and, and, and you run with it. As long as your child is safe and thriving, those are the two main things. Uh, for my editor, insert photo of Nova passed out in her little eating chair at lunch because she missed her nap window and then just took it later while she was eating. Very it's nice. true. It's so funny because like, I, you know, that kind of makes me want to just dive right into the sleep training thing mm-hmm. of like, you know, what's the method to the madness? It sure. made me mad. I couldn't do it. And I mean, mad, like angry, mad, but then also mm-hmm. crazy mad at the same time because yeah. I was like, it. I can't listen to this child cry. Yes. Ah. And it was like, I can't do the timer. Like, I just couldn't do it. It was like yes. a wipeout. It's out the door for us. But let's talk about that because it's such a hot, controversial, like weird topic. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Ha- happy to dive you know, headlong into this topic. I will tell yes. you a couple of things off the bat. What I like to tell families, which oh, I think every sleep doctor would say the same thing, which is you don't have to sleep train. You know, sleep training is a safe effective option if you so Mm -hmm. choose to use it but you by no means have to sleep train and why is that well when it comes to all the the best studies that we have that look at long-term outcomes for children that have had the education and the behavioral interventions the sleep training techniques versus those Mm -hmm. that haven't there Mm -hmm. is no definitive long-term benefit or Mm -hmm. or long-term you know harm you know so when Mm -hmm. we look at Mm -hmm. scores for like mood and anxiety and attachment and and they look at so many different metrics and they found that there's no real change between those that sleep train and those that don't, including with sleep metrics. Why is that? Well, by the time you're five years old, so many other things have now come into play that might be yeah. affecting your sleep. So it ends up being a wash. What this data yeah. does show is that sleep metrics, short term and medium term, do improve in children. Parents report uh, improvement in a variety of sleep metrics and maternal mood scores also improve. Maternal mood scores. Because we're sleeping. There's not as much data on fathers. Not a lot of these studies, unfortunately, don't really look at much at fa- father data. Why? Why is moods. that? Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, it's probably lots of different reasons. I'll tell you, we actually odd. we did a recent study that we're hoping to publish early next year. But yeah, we looked at mom and and dad data. Great. And, um, it's interesting. It's interesting. And some <laughs> Sorry, unfortunately, dude, it's like you're some, getting left out again. <laughs> some of the disparities and you know childcare. It's it's unfortunate and it's unfair. But you know mothers suffer the brunt of the sleep deprivation. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. It's yeah. just it's just the nature of, of, of infant sleep, sadly. But um, interesting. So clear short term benefits. And there's actually uh, benefits to studies show improved attachment for children. That's something that families worry a lot about. Uh, improvement okay. in marital satisfaction. Um, right. You know, a, lo- a lot of things just improve when your child is sleeping, which makes sense. You know, when, yeah. we, when we're all sleep deprived, everybody's pretty miserable. Now, when it comes to the debate around sleep training, the other thing that I like yeah. to say is amongst the medical literature in the sleep science world, there's actually no debate. There's right, there's, right, there's right. no debate about this. Yeah. The, the debate has been created over time. And unfortunately, social media kind of propagates the debate and everybody you know, feels like they're an expert after reading one book or one article. Yeah. And we have clickbait, to clickbait. Yeah. Have, we have to look at the, the breadth of information out there. And I'll tell you that I, I like to dig in to folks that disagree and like to share articles with me and research with me. And, and so we look across yeah. and we say, well, what does, what does the data tell us? And if you look at the yeah. well done studies on behavioral interventions, sleep training interventions, there's no debate. You know, it's safe. Because that's effective. the biggest one, is it not? Is like the whole, like, my kid's going to hate me and be detached. And like f- that, I feel like that's kind of the forefront of things I see a lot where it's like, yes. my baby. The interesting but- thing is studies actually tend to show the opposite. 
which again, we are, I, I truly feel like we are, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say, I don't want to offend anybody, but I feel like we are better caregivers when we're rested just by nature. You know, 100%. Pa- parenting yeah. is not a blood sport. People, it's, sometimes when I see these social media comments and on parent blogs, it's like, the more yeah. you torture yourself, the better parent you are. And I'm like, no, sleep is actually a win for everybody. You know, yeah, yeah your yeah. sleep yeah. is important. The baby's getting good sleep and yeah. you are a safer more attentive, more focused caregiver when you get your rest. And so that's true, you know, and although I'm a pediatric sleep doc, so everything that I recommend is for the kid, you know, parents, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing it for the parent. So parents often feel guilty, like, Oh, this is for me. I'm like, no, I'm doing this for your baby because your baby, I feel like needs to sleep well, (laughs) it needs to learn this skill. If you benefit, so be it good, good for you, but I'm doing this for the benefit of your baby. Um, and so I, you know, that's, that's my approach to this. Happy to go into some of these techniques, but you know, that's, that's kind of my 10,000 foot view on sleep training. Okay guys. So if you are looking for something to help elevate and raise the vibe around your home or office, Head over to somavedic.com and check out their devices. They combine unique Western technology with ancient healing wisdom, and it contains a blend of precious and semi-precious stones and energy amplifiers with a pioneering frequency therapy technology. What does that all mean? Well, pretty much, you put this device in your home, and I kid you not, it changes the vibe almost instantly. I have two of them in my house. I have the Somavetic in green, and then I have the blue one. And after I got my first one, the green one, the energy in the house felt better. My mood was better. My concentration was better. I was just sleeping better. Our plants started doing better. I'm serious. It was an all-around energy shift that can be physically felt. So if this piques your interest and you want to try it out, Head over to somavetic.com and use code you did it for 10% off at checkout. And now, home back to the show. I mean, like, what does sleep training look like? Like, yeah. when you're saying sleep training, because we never did it. So, is it, and I read books about it and I saw posts about it and mm-hmm. all this shit, but like, is it kind of just like, okay, your kid is six months just for, you know, yes. argument's sake here, as you mentioned. And we decide to, where's your kid up into that point? Are they in your room, in your bedroom with you? I'm assuming ideally for like so, the new people out there that don't have a kid yet, but so, winkety wink. So here's like, a, here's a little <laughs> plug for safe sleep recommendations. The American Academy of yeah. Pediatrics recommends sharing the same room as your child for the first six months of life. We think that's protective cool. against SIDS. So cool. Yeah. So they're in your room in their little whatever. Mm -hmm. And at six months, you're like, all right, let's train this kid. Like Rocky Balboa you to sleep, but maybe not so aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sleep training, if I could go back and redo the nomenclature, I would not use the word training. You know, everyone's like, why do you have to train a child to sleep? I was like, call call it whatever the heck you want. You know, call it sleep nurturing, call it sleep teaching. You don't, it doesn't have to be called sleep training. That's just a word somebody came up with. Um, But training has such a weight to it. I know. That you're like, holy shit. Like, what's this kid going to do? Like eight reps of sleeps tonight? Yes, I agree. And that's, well, let's, let's talk about what it looks like. Well, let's talk about what the, (laughs) what the quote unquote problem may look like, which is our, sure. our, our term for it. It's a long word. It's, you know, it's, it's behavioral insomnia of childhood sleep onset association subtype. That's the fancy, you know, it's not, I, they, they call it a, you know, 
behavioral insomnia, but it's, it's incredibly, incredibly common. Uh, what does it look right. like? Well, it's essentially a child that needs some sort of external help to turn their brain from wake to sleep. Now, children, okay. infants have it. Adults have this too. So the adult that says, I have to have the TV on to fall asleep, that's a sleep Ooh. onset association. They have learned that my brain goes from wake to sleep only when I have that present in my environment to help my brain turn off. And oh, this God. can apply to any of us. If you keep the TV on for three weeks straight when you sleep, you will find that, you know, after that, it'll be very hard for you to, to fall asleep without the TV on. It's just oh, no. the ways that our brains work. You know, that's just how it works. So um, this is what infants oftentimes develop. A, uh, a loving, caring parent is helping soothe them to sleep, but their right. brains learn, hey, I only fall asleep when I'm being held and rocked, or I only fall asleep right. when I'm being patted. Naturally, your child's going right. to learn that. They're incredibly smart. They're going to pair two things. And their brain is only going to go from uh, on to off into sleep when that environmental thing is put in place. Now, this does not apply to every child. Some children self-soothe completely on their own without any sort of intervention whatsoever. This is, you know, that, that parent that's posting, oh, my child slept through the night at 12 weeks. I don't know what's wrong with your kid. And you're like, what did they do right? Or what am I doing wrong? Honestly, yeah. nothing. You know, it's just oftentimes yeah. just the nature of the child, the temperament of the child. Um, yeah. So- if a child needs help at the beginning of the night to fall asleep and turn their brains from wake to sleep, what happens? Well, as we sleep, we go through sleep cycles. Children go through ups and downs every 50 to 60 minutes. And you go into right. deeper stages of sleep and lighter stages and deeper stages and lighter stages. And oftentimes you have an awakening. Every human being has awakenings at night. Those mm -hmm. are totally normal, totally normal part of sleep. So what happens? Well, this child who was used to having, you know, being held or rocked or padded, uh, right. suddenly wakes up in this crib where they were not before. And they're like, <laughs> what the heck just happened? I had a giant that was rocking me to sleep, you know, and now yeah. suddenly I'm in a crib, you know, and, uh, and that's hard then fall back to sleep. So the child starts crying because that's how they express, oh. I don't like this until yes. that intervention is put back in place. And when it's put back okay. in place, they fall back to sleep. So it creates disruption, longer awakening for a child, disruption for the caregiver, et cetera. That's okay. sleep onset association. If So if the shoe fits, that's probably what it is. No, that's, um, okay. if, if, there's a, if there's a trick you're using to help your kid fall asleep and they need to, you need to use it again and again, that's a sleep onset association. All sleep training mm -hmm. is doing, the entire kind of concept of sleep training is helping teach your child to be able to fall asleep somewhat independently without needing something that's not going to be present for them when they wake up in the middle of the night. Um, right. And so that's ideally helping them fall asleep in their crib uh, on their yes. own um, yes. without you physically helping them. Now, this you can do this in a variety of ways. And parents are like, well, I don't want to leave my child you know, to cry. And I say, don't, yeah. then don't. <laughs> you can actually yeah. sleep yeah. train while you're right there next to them, you know, in, in the crib. You don't have right. to, you don't have to leave. Um, people right. say, well, you know, I, I, I worry that they're going to, I can't let them cry for, you know, I can't let them just cry it out. And I say, don't, don't let them just cry it out. You can be there to right. intervene at certain intervals, which you can set, you know, no, nobody should tell you, oh, you can, you only, you must wait for five minutes or you must wait for 10 minutes. Come up with your own yeah. schedule and say, okay, yeah. I'm going to sit next to the crib for two minutes. And if my baby's still crying, I'm going to walk up, I'm going to pat them for a minute. And then I'm going to yeah. step away and I'm going to wait for three minutes. And then I'm going to go back and yeah. I'm pat them again. Um, so that's, that's the graduated extinction method, AKA the Ferber method, where you give short periods of time in between check-ins 
And then you try to soothe the child for about a minute. That's usually my go-to method. There are four methods you can use, but graduate extinction is kind of my go-to. It seems to be effective, work okay. quickly, and children and families usually do well after about three or four days. Things usually improve. The kid is still in the room with them or is the kid in it their own it's room? Totally, it's totally up. So after six months, it's totally up to the parent. And so, okay. um, you know, whatever you decide works for you and your, your own preferences. So if you want okay. to do this with a child in your room, yeah, have them in the crib. And then you go lay down in your bed for that time. Yeah. And then the timer's so up. So that's what we did. That's what we did. Yeah. It's totally and like, legit. So I guess we were sleep training, but I didn't really feel like we were doing it because it wasn't the whole like cry your face off forever. It you know what I'm trying to say? That's, know, yes. that's people, the rigidity I keep seeing. Yes. So people it often like, equate, oh. equate sleep training to cry it out. Cry it out is the, what I would say is on one end when it comes to the extremes of sleep training, known as the yeah. extinction method. And although there is yes. data to support safety <laughs> and efficacy, we usually don't recommend that anymore as a starting method, you know, unless it's there's some sort of just a really dire situation where we need to make an improvement super fast. None of us are mm-hmm. recommending pure cry it out anymore. You know, we're usually, cool. uh, with a few exceptions, but we're usually recommending something that's a little bit gentler, a little bit slower, um, that's got data to support it. So my go-to is usually graduate extinction. The other one that I often go to Ooh. is called camping out. Camping out is just a slower, gradual weaning of parental presence to help a child learn to self-soothe. And so that's, so let's say you are rocking and feeding and singing to your child to get them to fall asleep at night. I say, okay, you know what? The next week, what I want you to do is I want you to feed your child and I want you to rock your child to sleep, but let's hold off on the singing for this week. I want you to, I want you to sing as part of your routine. I want you to do everything you love doing. I don't want to take away anything that you enjoy doing with your child. Well, let's move it to the beginning of the routine. When your child is actually ready to fall asleep, let's just rock and feed your child to sleep. Cool. And then when the child wakes up, you can do the same thing again. You know, if they're hungry, you're going to feed them and then you're going to rock them and you're going to do that for a week. So you're essentially weaning them off of the singing right at the transition from wake to sleep. The next week I Cute. say, okay, we're going to keep feeding your child, but let's just hold them instead of rocking them. Let them get used to that. Right. Children will learn very quickly that, okay, I'm not going to get rocked anymore, but I can still fall asleep while I'm getting fed. No problem. And you get rid of that as part of the intervention that you're using. The third week, you say, okay, feed them, but keep them awake through the feed and then just hold them while you're not feeding them. Just hold them when it's right. time to get them to fall asleep. That's tough because many children fall asleep while feeding, but the goal yeah. is to try to keep them awake through the feed and then let them fall asleep in your arms. You do that for a week. And after that, after they've weaned off of the, having to be fed to sleep, then you say, okay, right. now we're going to put them in the crib and you're just going to pat them every night. For the next week when they wake up, et cetera. Right. Uh, and right. so you're slowly distancing yourself from them at the transition from wake to sleep. Um, Cute. I, okay. I never, I, I always say you're, we're always going to feed a hungry baby. So if the child yeah. is hungry, yeah, yeah. we're not going to sleep train through hunger. That's not fair. You're going to feed them if they're hungry, but keep them awake through the feed and then try to re-implement your technique to get them to fall back asleep. But wean them off slowly. There's no one's camping That's out so- in a completely legitimate technique. I think we're at that right now-ish. She's 2.3, but like, man, I can't put her to bed anymore without her wanting to get on the tit. Like, she's like, mama, titty. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Like, girl, we know that that's going to take you like two hours to do nothing because you're not going to fall asleep because you're just going to play with my hair and like try and throw a pillow at me because it's hilarious for you. Mm -hmm. So my husband now, bless his soul, has to put her to bed every night now. Yes. Every night. And if I go in there, it's... 
it's like I'm like kamikazing myself. Like it's just not cool. Children. I just feel it's so it's, interesting. It's all goes and back. And the bottle. To, yeah. Oh, it all goes back bottle. to children learning very quickly and being very yeah. smart and knowing exactly what they want. They know exactly what they want. And so the classic <laughs> scenario here is, you know, a child that's in daycare, the mom is like, I have to be with her or I have to feed her to go to sleep or I have to do this right. in her sleep. And I'm like, what happens at daycare? Like, oh yeah, she falls asleep on her own in a cot at daycare. No problem. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah. well, she clearly has the ability to fall asleep on her own, but she has yeah. learned that this is what she wants at night. This is like her crutch to be able to fall asleep. She can do mm. it. She, she can do it independently. She's already proven that at daycare. Yeah. Why is it not happening at home? That's because we haven't given her the opportunity to learn to be able to fall asleep on her own. And it's tough. I mean, it's, it's not easy. You know, children, children are very, very um, uh, persistent <laughs> with what they want. Yeah, and <laughs> rebellious, which yeah. is awesome. And that's how they get exactly what they want, right? And so we, yeah. we have to kind of increase our level of persistence and consistency to see a change, which, by the way, is how to change all unwanted behaviors, persi- being persistent and consistent yeah. regarding your approach to that behavior. So. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there's an undertone with having it be a nice way to present that though right like there's you can't really have too much of a firm hand because then you're just i feel like if you're coming at bedtime and you're just like go to bed or whatever and your cortisol levels are high and spiked your kid's gonna pick up on that and be like it's playtime or like you're frazzled so i feel like that's an interesting balance because that's when we i think as parents get frustrated where it's like literally the 11th hour of the day and your kid's still not sleeping so what I mean, what what do we do in those desperate deaths? <laughs> so it changes as you hit the toddler years when your children get mobile and maybe out of the crib, the approaches change. But I okay. but, but I hear what you're saying, which is you know bedtime should never be a battle. Like the, the the goal is that yeah. your your emotions and your frustration should not escalate. And if they are, you should not be reflecting that. Okay. You, you should hide it. You should bring out That's the actress. personal work right there. You bring, you, at least you bring out that actress in you and you put on this Oscar winning performance, you know, but, yeah. the, but the goal is, you know, the more you escalate, the more ch- the child is like, Oh, look what I'm doing to this human. Exactly. I'm, able to, yeah, I'm able to manipulate them in whatever way I want. And so the goal is to, there are a couple of different techniques for toddlers, but one of them involves what we, what we call the robotic return to bed, which is kind of being devoid of like, you know, this negative emotion and just consistently bringing your toddler back and being as boring as humanly possible. We do that all the time. That's great. We do. We're like, Nova, go back to bed, put your head on the pillow. And she'll stand in the doorway looking so cute and creepy in her little (laughs) sleep sack being like, Okay. And then leave, slam the door mm-hmm. and then we'll see her on the baby cam and she's just like there, but then it'll come out and like do it again. Yeah. Like, you know, oh as long as you are <sighs> consistent in how you approach that. So some families will yeah. say, all right, you know what? I throw in the towel, just come lay next to me and we're just going to, we're going to battle. We're going to get through this night because everybody needs some sleep. You know, if you do it for one night, you can expect a hundred more is what I tell, uh, tell, tell parents, yes, right? So yes. you have to be super consistent, even on those, on those tough nights to say, okay, this is your sleep space. This is your safe sleep space. You are okay. We're going to yeah. consistently keep you in your safe sleep space. Um, the approach can differ depending on, again, the temperament, then yeah. if your child has underlying yeah. medical issues or has anxious tendencies, right. the approach is more gradual. Um, and slower. You want to build their confidence in their sleep environment to be able to fall asleep. Right. Um, and so I post some of these techniques to my social media platforms regarding, you know, Which are how great. Do you, how do you, thank you. Thank you. How, you yeah. know, how to approach your anxious toddler when you're trying to get them to fall asleep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there are lots of techniques, but the robotic return to bed is one of them. That's and then similar to what I told you with camping out in sleep associations, 
You can also do camping yeah. out for limit setting where you're like, okay, we're going to sleep in your room tonight. All right. And then yeah. each week you're kind of like moving at the time of transition of sleep, moving closer to the door over time, you know, yes. it's like the chair yes. method, you know, or the sleep lady shuffle, yes. whatever, what have you. It's yeah, yeah. slowly distancing yourself over time. Oh, okay. That's cool. I guess we like instinctually started doing that because we never read or conferred with anyone like yourself, the sleep dog. Like we just kind of were like, let's just figure this out. Yeah. But it's, it's so, I have to ask, like when your kid crawls into bed with you, right? Why do they sleep perpendicular to you? <laughs> Because like, they want to torture you. No, uh, like why do I get a kick in the face? And it's my funny. Head, my I, husband gets the headbutt. I is share. I share a slide when I give this presentation about normal <laughs> sleep patterns, and I show one of all the different positions children can sleep in, and they're usually like the H, right? Like the parents here, parent, and they're like the, the, the middle H. Why? Uh, so the one thing to know about young children when they sleep is they move around a lot. Just by I nature, know. they tend to move around a lot. We don't know why that is. Maybe they're practicing their newly learned motor skills in their sleep. Who knows? But they tend to be very okay. restless. And so it can be a challenge sharing a bed space with, with a child. Now, I will say that after one year of age, uh, when it comes to wanting to co-sleep with, with your child, that's a yeah. parental preference and a, sometimes a cultural preference. And and yeah, I don't yeah. I don't get in the way. I say, whatever you prefer, if it's working for you, it's working yeah. for you. you know? yeah. but, but oftentimes... Parents want to make a change. They just don't know the techniques to help make the change and transition the child to their own sleep space. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, like she's in her own room now. We put her in there, but like she's been in there for like about a year, but it's just, you know, those moments, like you said, where like maybe she's not feeling good or she, she just needs like extra comfort. But I'm telling you, like we wake up and it's like headbutt or like I saw she's like what's going on up there in her brain do you have scans like yeah. what's happening yeah you know it's, my husband's like you need to ask this question I'm like probably, I will this is him. probably all just normal sleep <laughs> for a child now there are underlying you know medical issues children can have restless legs syndrome and so they can have periodic what we call periodic limb movements of sleep Ooh, and we okay. think restless leg actually occurs much earlier than many people once believed and it's it's oftentimes attributed Ooh. to growing pains and it's actually restless leg for children yeah, um, and, and that's, so that's something that we will screen for, especially if a child is old enough to express, yeah, I'm having some level of discomfort in my legs, particularly at nighttime. Oh. And when I move, oh. it helps. But usually in the vast majority of cases, the restlessness that you're experiencing is just normal movements during a partial awakening at nighttime. So with age position at the end. <laughs> that's right. So like tapping into your associative things with sleep, like sound machines, um, this kind of stuff or like a weighted sleep sack or a blanket, which like my kid loves, like, are those, I mean, are those frowned upon in your field? Are they, are they good? Like, I know you mentioned the TV thing earlier, but like, like, you know, I, I'm a weirdo where I can just like clock out anywhere. I sleep on my back mostly. And like, I'm good. I have a friend who always has to have the exact same sleep sound on everywhere, like lights, black room, like, so that's like maybe too much of a question here, but with kids getting those sleep sound machines and putting that on, do you recommend that or like switching up the sound or what? I'll, I'll like, tell you, I'll tell you my approach. And first it all, the, the, the foundational level here for these recommendations is the safety yeah. part of it. And so, yeah. and I abide, I am not a ch- children's safety expert. And so I turn yes. to the, the one, the, the expert's, out there uh, that are, that, that have done the research. And I always think of Rachel Moon in Virginia, who is one of our leading safe sleep experts. And so mm-hmm. they have recommendations regarding this. And one of them is for infants, 
they just they recommend avoiding all weighted sleep sacks. And this actually came Ooh. out as part of the AAP guidelines for safe sleep, just because we don't want anything inhibiting the normal kind of chest excursion for young children when they're trying to breathe. And so weighted sleep sacks is is now officially a no no. Um, when okay. it when it comes to sound machines, there is increasing data that says that the you know the, the amount of noise exposure children get, we have to be very careful about this because it can mm. cause potentially you know, damage to with hearing, et cetera. So right. the, the, the main guidelines that we have for safe hearing comes from OSHA, and this is geared towards adults. We don't know how this applies to children, but in adults, okay. the recommendation is somewhere around, you know, if you're going to have 80 decibels, it's safe for like up to eight hours. And the higher you go, the much lower time you should be exposed to that noise. For example, if you have like oh. 120 decibel exposure, that can cause like immediate damage to your hearing, like a loud yeah, firecracker, yeah, yeah. for example. Yeah. And, th- yeah, and that yeah, can yeah. be permanent. For children, uh, the recommendations are, are different depending on the environment. So the AAP, mm-hmm. when it comes to like nurseries, newborn nurseries, they're shooting for less than 50 decibels of noise. Just be- there's, there's data regarding, you know, sleep disruption, et cetera. Um, I don't have any, what's any, a reference I can, what's, what, well, what if we say is 50 dust? I mean, my dishwasher is, is yeah. what uh, dishwashers are like 40, prob- aren't they? Well, a conversation, <laughs> a conversation is 50. You know, when we talk, it's okay. usually around a 50, you know, when Except you're in with your, me, we're like at 180. <laughs> maybe if I, if I turn off my, my ear, earbuds, yeah. but you know, even like a, yeah, a normal conversation is around 50. When you're driving a car, you're probably like, you know, Closer to like 70, like 60 or 70. It's pretty loud yeah, yeah, inside yeah. a car. Your yeah, airplane, yeah. you're like well over 80. So uh, so these recommendations, the, the bottom line here for, for sound machines and for white noise, I am not yeah. opposed. I'm not opposed to something that, that can be put in place that remains there the entire night that can help right. them, you know, transition back to sleep. But we gotta be very aware of how loud these noise machines are. Because some and of them, where they are, and like where close they are, to their heads. the closer yeah, yeah, yeah. to the child, the, the louder it's going to be at their ear level. And so yeah. I'm looking for definitely less than 70 decibels at your child, ideally less than 60. And you can find some of these you know, decibel you know, meters on, on various yep. apps. Um, so you really they don't really... have like a stop. Like this one sound machine I have yeah. for my kid is like I could keep cranking that thing. And I yes. swear to God, I'll put it in our living room and it could like do our living room. Like these, into a dance. These room. commercial dance, like, yeah, these com- dance machines. These commercial <laughs> yeah. sa- uh, white noise machines can go up over 100 decibels if you're right next to them. Why? So Why to- do they do that? Like, where's well, your baby in like a 5,000 square foot bedroom? Like, yeah, you have to. So, <laughs> so weird. So, so the, if you choose to use it, the lowest amount, and ideally for the lowest amount of time, if you can. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. if you need it to kind of help transition to the beginning of the night, fine, use it, try to keep it low. And then perhaps consider just turning it off if your child is sleeping well for the rest of the night. Huh. Cool. If they're not sleeping well for the rest of the night, you may have to go in there. You may have to either keep it on or keep going back in there and turning it back on because it's turned into an association. Yeah. Uh, but the goal is yeah. lowest volume for the shortest exposure is the best approach. I want to like mess with my kid tonight and see if it's going to like whack her out. I kind of want to like not have it on. What we started doing is changing the sound. So we noticed mm-hmm. she would get used to the waves. And then like literally a few nights ago, we put it on like the fire crackle sound. And I like that one. <laughs> and we put it on like super, super, super low. So it's just kind of like whatever and been great. But we always kind of switch it up. But then they have weird sounds on them, like birds chirping and shit. I'm like, how is that supposed to help my kid fall asleep? I'm my, like, it's yes. nighttime sounds. <laughs> my goal for sounds is as long as it's as, as consistent 
as possible is the way to go. Not consistent. You know, I wish I could that, play this one for you. It's like, you don't want the ups and downs. This? No, it's so creepy. I was like, why is this sound soundtrack on this? This is horrible. And sometimes she accidentally pushes it. Like, you know, she's, you know, learns how to touch the things now. And like, oh my God, one day she changed the sound and it was that. And I'm like, we're screwed. Like this is a fail <laughs> for mom and dad. Is she yeah. like Find anyway, we made that relaxing. adjustment. Yeah. Relaxing yeah. and consistent. That's the goal. Oh my God. Okay. Doctor, doctor, last kind of question. I mean, I have so many more, but I really want to ask this one too. Screen time, blue light, at night, not at all. What's the vibe? When do we when do we not? Sure. So ideally, we know, first of all, when it comes to blue light, why why is the emphasis on blue light? Well, we know that wavelength of light, which is like 480 like nanometers wavelength, that's what actually suppresses our natural melatonin the most. Oh, it, it doesn't oh. mean that it doesn't mean that other wavelengths don't do it. It just tends to be the most suppressing uh, for oh melatonin. My God. And the brighter it is and the closer to your evening it is, uh, the more likely it is to suppress melatonin. Why does it suppress melatonin? Well, all light does it. It's because we we get our melatonin cues from when it's light and dark outside. So when it gets dark, our brains start making melatonin. It says it's dark. You should be sleeping right now. Uh, mm-hmm. As we evolved long, long ago, we didn't have electronics in front of our brain. So any light was perceived as essentially sunlight by your brain. So now right. that we have these electronics, your brain is saying, oh, it's actually daytime still, especially if you're getting lots of blue light or bright light. And you decrease your melatonin. That can push back your bedtime. It can fragment your sleep, et cetera. So yes, you want to try to avoid blue light or, or really any light electronics if you can, particularly bright electronics. Uh, the goal is at least 30 minutes before bed. It's when you want to try to put your electronics to bed, right? You know, um, put them, get, right. get them to rest, get them to recharge and while you do your routine and then get into bed. Yeah. That's, that's ideal. Um, so note, do not video your nighttime routine with your baby <laughs> that on could, your phone. That could be a yeah. you sleep, yes. <laughs> now, there is, I will tell you that there is some mixed data and there's some folks that say, well, you know what? Electronic use is not as bad as it's made out to be if you're doing everything okay. else right. And so if you fall asleep fine, even if you're on the phone for a few minutes at nighttime and you end up getting a good night of sleep and you wake up refreshed, well, that system isn't broke. You don't need to fix it. But if you find okay. that you have a hard time winding your brain down, yeah. You're waking up frequently throughout the night. You might wake up a little yeah. bit too early and not feel so refreshed. Try yeah. to put all those measures Me. in place. What we call good sleep hygiene, which includes yeah. avoiding light for 30 minutes prior to bedtime. And does that apply to any age of baby? Like, you know, and I'm saying this indirectly because it's not like your little three-year-old or three-month-old amoeba is going to be sitting there watching Bluey by herself. But indirectly, they're still getting affected if you're reading on an iPad, trolling on social, hopefully not being a Karen. But like, you know, your kid is exposed indirectly sometimes. So like, that's something I guess people should just be conscientious about in general, perhaps. Or if you're doing Netflix in bed, newborn mom, six weeks that still kind of trickles in? Well, I would say, say? well, we do have data that says that one of the more screens you have around, probably the worse off your sleep is going to be. But even down to infants, if you're exposing them to television was the, I think was the measure in this particular study. Of course. Yes, it it does end up affecting sleep metrics. But again, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. brightness, the length of time, all that plays a role. So if you're a new mom and you need to have a few minutes of just some Netflix time while while your child is, you know, feeding or, or winding down, I mean, I wouldn't deny that to you if you're, you know, if you, right. if, if you need that. 
But if I you're fine, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you you are strict yeah. at least when it comes to sleep, man. Don't we gotta <laughs> do it. I don't know. I actually could but, you imagine I'm actually worse than I thought. Okay, so that's yeah. nice. So you're still like you're still working with the fams in the sense of like yeah, have a life like you do you. But the warning it's, and disclaimer is kind of. Don't make it a habit. Still there. Don't, don't make it a habit for your yeah. child. Let's put it that way. Don't have a TV in their room. One of the best things you can do for your child is never having a TV in their room as they grow, grow up, not just from a sleep yeah. standpoint, but even from like a nutrition, obesity standpoint, it makes actually a big difference. Just get the, no screens. Try to get the screens out of the room. Your room should be the your sleep haven. Uh, keep the yeah. screen out. Yeah. Uh, and then as children get older, again, you know, trying to limit bright light and screen exposure for the 30 minutes prior to bed as I do. Wow. Wow. Oh my God. Okay. You guys, so much info. My brain is exploding. I am so ready to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> good. Good. My, my, my mission is accomplished. Yes. I mean, before I leave you, you've been so, so informative and you just explain everything really beautifully. Like what I got to ask, like I ask most of my guests this when I remember, but in your life so far, what's like a, you did it moment for you i i did it moment wow i would probably say when i when i had to sleep train my own child right <laughs> this was like the culmination of the Which professional so they know. my old my oldest one my old my very okay. my, our first child this was like the culmination of like you know professional and personal like if i fail i'd have to change jobs and my wife would probably look at me like a complete failure you know oh uh, God. and and it was it was tough it was tough but man he doesn't still sleep 11 hours at night. Both of my children are 10 awesome. and a half to 11 hour sleepers every single night. And you did it. So I did it. I did it. And I they consider that it. one of my biggest accomplishments. They oh, did it more than I so did it. Good. But um, that's amazing. We did it. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. Well, give us give us a little bit of lead as to where people can connect with you. That's best for you. I, I know your Instagram is the sleep doc. It's that sleep doc. That sleep doc. That sleep doc. That's right. I'm that sleep doc on pretty much every platform. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, X. You know, you can find me in all those places. I'm just giving tons of sleep advice in any way, shape, it. or form I can. So Oh my God. We're so, so grateful for you. Keep making that awesome content. I mean, that's how I came across you. You're so lovely. Um, thank you. This thank was you an for absolute being here pleasure. with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> my face I really hurts enjoyed from it. like laughing about sleeping stuff, which I was just like, oh God, I don't know how this conversation's going to go. Mm, this was great. We covered a lot. Thank great. you so much. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> thank you. It. Have a great afternoon. You too. Thank you. Well, I sure hope everyone in your household will get a great night's sleep after you listened to this episode. Wow, that was a lot of information, but I am so glad we went there. If you have any other topics that you're interested about, please check him out at That Sleep Doc on all social media platforms. And don't forget to give yours truly a follow on Instagram at you did it underscore the podcast. And make sure to give the podcast a review, a rating, a download, and a share wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great sleep and see you guys next week. You did it! Ha, 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 ha.